Hi everybody, this is Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain. I hope that you're doing well. Just going to take a moment for everyone to get in here. Thank you so much for dropping by today, and thank you for your forbearance as I goof around and take a little fun on a first-person shooter. But um, it is, of course, the 25th of March, 2020, and we have got a lot to go through today. It is uh, unfortunately unfolding as I anticipated. Hi, everybody. Nice to see you. Uh, yeah, got a bit of a sore throat, but I'm sure it's nothing related to anything other than a little bit of overwork. But um, yeah, it's funny, you know, I can always tell how I'm doing because everyone is like, you look tired. It's like, yeah, I'm a little tired, but uh, that's all right. Prince Charles has tested positive for coronavirus, and uh, that's not great. There is, of course, a massive bailout. Don't get sick. Yeah, I'll, I'll do my best. I'm doing my best to uh, stay abreast of the situation and stay healthy. I'm getting lots of rest uh, in inside incessant work. Yeah, sore throat. It's a little floating around. And it's funny because it was like, because I've had colds, of course, in the past, when I get a little bit of a sore throat, I'm like, eh, I'm sure it's nothing. But it's um, it's fine at the moment. Thank you for the recommendation. The screw tape letter was a good read. Yes, it was. You're enjoying the Doom videos? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'm sorry about some of the technical glitches, but we will sort it out. You are more than welcome to keep you up to date. This is, uh, I sort of feel that I was born for this, in a way. You probably have COVID-19 stuff. No, a sore throat is not evidence of COVID-19. You need a fever. And since I do not have a fever, fever, neither is it Saturday night, I think I will survive. Millions of unreported cases? Millions? Yes. Well, of course. Of course. Is Charles the one who was cool with Epstein? No, that was another one. Uh, I think that was Prince Andrew, if I remember. Rightly. Do you still subscribe to R versus K theory? Do you think this will be a K-selecting event? Uh, yes, and uh, yes, sadly. And let's have a look. Now that everyone's dropping in, it's so nice to see you guys. I feel like we are brothers and sisters in challenge, right? Okay, so this is really tough, right? Because looking at this map, hitting the refresh is uh, not good. Not good at all. So total confirmed cases, 451,355. And Italy has now surpassed, I think, China in deaths. Confirmed cases, 81,661 in China, or as some people say, China. Almost 70,000 in Italy, 55,568 in the U.S. I think the majority of those are in New York. And uh, scrolling down, of course, uh, now we're down to well, 1,329 in Ireland. That's not good. Canada's 2,792. That went up, I think, 15% uh, in a day. So that's not good at all. So total death, 7,500 in Italy, 3434 in Spain, 3163 in Ubay, China, 2,077 in Iran, and you can go from there. Now, this, of course, is what I want to draw your attention to. This is, okay, so of course, slow growth, right? And everyone down here is, bro, it's just the flu. Like, you know how it's a, um, it's a recession when someone else loses their job. It's a depression when you lose your job. It's just the flu when no one you know has it, and it's something else when you have it. So this is the map 
uh, there was, of course, this little statistical bump on the uh, 11th to the 12th of February, and that was because classification was changed. And everyone thought, of course, hey, man, it's flattening out. And I was like, dudes, there's an incubation period. There is huge amounts of misinformation coming out of the World Health Organization. This thing is going to hit the roof. And I was yelling and begging and, plying, uh, and crying and pleading with everyone to take this seriously, for heaven's sakes. And I'm glad that you guys listened, and I'm glad that you prepared. And I'm glad that if you have an easy or relatively easy capacity to socially isolate, I am really, really glad that you did because this information has saved lives. This information has saved lives. Uh, I don't even know how many lives we can count as having saved just through this philosophy conversation, but that is the case. Now, also, listen, I hate to sort of drop into this. If you can help out, of course, um, uh, donations are down, which I completely understand. You've got to save your money for your family, for your groceries. But if you have any extra cheddar rolling around, freedomain.com forward slash donate, it would really be be helpful. And uh, thank you. Thank you very much for your support, freedomain.com forward slash donate. Oh, you guys want the link to this map? I will give you. I am your happy and willing servant. I will give you the link to this map. I will, of course, put all of this in general in the... Um, in the show notes, but let's see here. No, I don't want Cam. I just want this dude. Okay, I'm going to give you guys the link to this map. Uh, it's like the worst simulation around, but it's well worth having a look at and playing with. Okay, I'll put this in the chat. Here is the link to the map. All right. Uh, stop solic still soliciting donations. Come on, cut it out. I'm sorry. Do you, do you work for free? <laughs> I'm sorry if a guy who's into the free market and a ra rational exchange of values is asking for donations, but uh, I will continue. Now, look at this Con uh, daily increase, right? So daily increase. This, um, of course, looks somewhat similar, but this is the escalation of daily increases, right? The 40,000, 41,000. This is as of yet, uh, two days ago. This being the 25th, this is updated to the 30th. Uh, to the 23rd, sorry. So, yeah, that is um, that is some pretty pretty terrifying stuff going on. Now, there's something else that I wanted to mention that is really, really chilling and interesting, which is that millions and millions of people have vanished from cell phone company data, from cell phone company records and accounts in China. And that's not really good. I've heard anything from 8 million to 10 million to even higher People have just vanished. Now, why is that important? Because in China, you pretty much have to have a cell phone and you have to, there aren't any burners, right? You have to use your, your real flash name of all of this. And uh, because they publish the number of accounts in Chinese cell phone companies, uh, that is the situation. So I don't know what's happening to all of these people. I don't know what is happening to all of these people. The government is the enemy until I get scared. Oh, that's so funny. When have I made any proposals for policy on this? When have I ever said the government needs to do this and that the government needs to do that? It's very strange to me how people um, just misinterpret or come up with their own things about what it is that I'm saying. But I suppose I should be kind of used to it by now, right? I mean, 
Most people live in a delusion of projection, and they have very little access to the real world where people are speaking objective facts. All right, so let's start digging in to some of the really powerful stuff that is going on at the moment. So let's start with something in the past. We'll get to all of the cool stuff in the present uh, that is going on with regards to things like the um, bailout, uh, but uh, let's have a look at some things. Let's go back a little while. Go back a little while here. This is... I don't know why this is sometimes invisible, sometimes not. So this is from Op India. And this is uh, way, way back in time. Right? Let's go in here, right? So 12 years ago, there was um, something published, a paper published by a bunch of people. I assume that they're Chinese. And uh, this is 2007, so I guess 13 years ago. They warned, and I quote, the presence of a large reservoir of SARS-CoV-like viruses in horseshoe bats together with the culture of eating exotic mammals in southern China is a time bomb. A paper published by scientists years ago predicted the re-emergence of such viruses. And they said the possibility of the re-emergence of SARS and other novel viruses for animals or laboratories, and therefore the need for preparedness should not be ignored. And... Um, and I actually just, I just posted this on Twitter. I did an interview nine years ago with Gordon Chang talking about the dangers of Chinese totalitarianism. And you can only, uh, I mean, of 35 years, man, since my late teens, 35 years, I've been warning people about the dangers of communism. And um, I hate being right. I hate, hate, hate being right. But um, when you have, uh, when you have, um, philosophy, right, then you have like a secret power, so to speak, right? I mean, I've been trying to share the secret power, but it's not too hard to predict world events, which is why I get so much right. It's not too hard to predict world events. And I don't say this so that people pat me on the back. I'd much rather be wrong about all these things. But I say this so that people will start listening to people who know what the hell they're talking about so we can avoid these kinds of endless disasters in the future. All right, so let's go from 13 years to just last year. So this is from December 23rd, 2019, from NPR. North Korea promises a Christmas surprise. Here are the options. Now, of course, North Korea, communist state. China, communist state. They have their tensions, but they also have quite a lot in common. And so North Korea was promising that America was going to get a Christmas surprise. By promising a Christmas surprise to America. Now, this is December 23rd. Now, I believe it was sort of mid-December that China got the first indications of coronavirus. And so, yeah, within a week or two of China, who I'm sure has backdoor communications to North Korea, within a week or two, North Korea says, hey, America, you're going to get a Christmas surprise. And uh, to me, if I had to put money on it, I would assume that that... Christmas surprise was going to be, or was, coronavirus. Which means, of course, that there's, that's the reason why China didn't close its borders, right? All China had to do was close its borders, was to close its airports, and uh, all of this could have been avoided, but they didn't. Why? Well, we know that the Chinese government, as I talked about in my documentary, 
please go and watch this documentary. It may sound a little off topic, but it's absolutely central as to what's going on. The documentary I did last fall, which is called Hong Kong Fight for Freedom. You can just go to my website, freedomain.com, click on documentaries. It's one at the top of the list. You need to watch this. Because China has no problem offing significant sections of its own population if it, forward, if it advances the cause of communism. And uh, the reason I'm talking about all this stuff too is because the media, what have they been telling you? I just talked about this in a little snippet today. What has the media been telling you, the big dangers facing you over the last little while? Well, one of the big dangers they talked about was Trump and Russia, Russia collusion. Remember, Russia was the big dangerous country that you had to watch out for. And global warming. Did they ever mention anything about all of these problems with a totalitarian dictatorship taking over a significant portion of the West's manufacturing and 80% of the medicines required to keep Americans alive who are a pretty desperately unhealthy population as a whole? No. They didn't talk about any of that stuff at all. And uh, this is... Um, you, have, you have to eat, eat weird shite, cook the F out of it. Yeah, I can't, uh, can't help but agree with that. Uh, so the media gets everything wrong. And the consequences, this is from today. Uh, New York City morgues are nearing their capacities, according to a Department of Homeland Security official and a person familiar with the situation. With New York being a hotspot for the coronavirus pandemic, the sources noted that by next week the morgues would be full. Um, some of the uh, morgues have already hit capacity in the last week. So that's one effect. And um, you can, of course, those of you who've been following me for a while, know that you can track the likely spread of this virus according to demographics. And um, I guess I'm making that fairly clear, about as clear as I can make it. So just check out the demographics and you will probably get a pretty significant indicator of uh, of what is going on. All right. So let's um, keep going and get... Sorry, I just wanted to check one technical thing here. All right. So WestJet is trimming its workforce significantly with 6,900 people leaving the company. It says 90% of those people have taken buyouts or early retirements. The company had employed 14,000 people before the virus hit. And that's hugely important. There is going to be a massive economic recalibration. And I'll talk about that as we go on because, you know, simply quoting statistics is useful, but we need to really process what's, uh, what's going on. So Jack Posobiec, and people have been talking about this, Mike Cernovich, Jack Posobiec, and others, and I've mentioned it as well. So it is now the 25th of March, 2020, of course, and rent is due in six days, or seven days if you count that, right? So rent is due in a week or so. A lot of people, half of Americans, don't have any money to weather a crisis. And so they can't pay their rent. Well, the rent is too damn high. I agree with that oddly bearded one. But yeah, the rent is, is too high, but people can't pay their rent. Now, what happens then, right? Let's just play this out a little bit because you guys know some of this, I'm sure. But um, we do really need to sort this out. So when people can't pay their rent, uh, let's just say some, some silly examples. Let's say you have 
an apartment building worth $10 million after people can't pay their rent. Well, your building is valued on the multiples of its rental income, right? And so if people can't pay their rent, then your building value, at least temporarily, and it's all theoretical till it's sold, but the value of your real estate asset goes down by about 50%. So your building that was worth $10 million is now worth $5 million. Now, you can hold that off for a little while if there's a hiccup and so on, but the $1,200 stimulus package isn't going to do much regarding that. And, of course, the only way that evictions can work is if the vast majority of people do pay their rent. Like, I remember growing up in apartment buildings, and there were times when we would get eviction notices, my family would get eviction notices because we were out of cash, or my mother was being irresponsible with cash, or whatever was happening. And I remember on the superintendent's door, there was a sign that said, rent checks, rent, rent checks must be certified after the fifth of each month, right? So you, had to, you couldn't kite a check if you were late. But, of course, the vast majority of people did pay their rent and you can only have an eviction situation if the vast majority of people are paying and only half a percent or one percent or maybe at a maximum two percent of people are not paying their rent now of course the people who have these rental properties have generally got a mortgage which they're paying based upon that right and i don't know what is it um i'm trying to sort of think I'm just off the back of a napkin on my brain here on the fly. What is that? $10 million would be, uh, what, $250,000, sorry, uh, $25,000 a month in mortgage payments, $30,000 a month in mortgage payments. Well, you're paying those mortgage payments based upon people paying their rent. And if you're a landlord and people aren't paying their rent, then you can't pay the bank. So what is the bank going to do when a significant number of people can't pay their mortgages either directly because they can't afford to pay their mortgages, or indirectly, because the landlord can't afford to pay the mortgage. Well, uh, they have to, uh, I mean, there are particular laws in place. I'm no expert in this area, but banks and other institutions can lend out multiples of their assets, right? And so if you have a bunch of real estate assets suddenly falling in value significantly, then the multiple effect of what you can lend out diminishes considerably. There were Significant financial institutions in the 0708 financial crisis that had, had 30 times multiples, which meant a 3% loss wiped, wiped them out. You lose 3% at 30% multiple, man, you're done. Oh, sorry, 30 times multiple, you're done. And so there's this ripple effect that goes through the whole economic system because it's all this inverted pyramid resting upon the tax livestock paying their bills on time. And when they can't do that, the value of real estate goes down. And, and that's just one aspect. We're just talking about residential. Let's look at commercial real estate. People are reconfiguring their entire business environment to support people working from home, to support remote working. Now, of course, some people can't do that. I mean, I'm talking about the people who can. And so if this goes on for a while, which it will, then people are going to get used to working from home. They, uh, bosses are going to get used to managing from home. And they're going to find out that people can actually, in many ways, be more productive working from home. So what is going to happen to the price of commercial real estate or the value of commercial real estate when people realize that it's actually kind of easy and cool to work from home and they figured out how to do it in a productive way? Well, what's going to happen to business travel? Uh, when I was in the business world, I was sometimes traveling two to three weeks a month all over America, Canada. I went to China. I went to Europe uh, and South America. No, sorry, Central America. And 
you spent all your time in airplanes, all your time traveling and so on, all your time in hotels. What happens when people say they, they sort of rip off the bandaid and say, oh, well, teleconferencing is actually pretty cool. Because, you know, there's business leaders are old school, right? They're boomers. And um, they're kind of just used to the old way of doing things. And it's kind of hard for them to accept this newfangled technology stuff, right? But now that people have been forced into remote meetings, working from home, uh, avoiding travel and so on, that overhead is not coming back. I mean, it's going to come back to a small degree. And there are some people who obviously do benefit from working. But, you know, you got your whiteboards, you got your teleconferencing, you got your Skype, you got your virtual meetings, you got your Zoom, you've got all of that stuff. And people are going to reconfigure. So the value of travel is going to go down. The value of real estate is going to go down. People are going to become much more efficient in what it is that they do. The environmental impact is going to go down and people are going to love working from home for the most part. And, you know, you can get together for socials and, and so on, but you can do that nights or weekends or whatever outside of rush hour. So the value of real estate is going to go down both residentially because people can't pay their bills and also commercially. And commercial real estate is a huge market. Now, if banks have to write down the value of their assets based upon falling real estate prices, this was, of course, the big problem that happened in 2007, 2008. The huge issue, and mostly, of course, in the residential areas, and that was because of forced diversity initiatives in um, rental programs. So the vast majority of jobs still aren't the type that you can work from home. Well, they're going to do as many as they possibly can. And, uh, you know, of course, there can't be a trucker from home. I get all of that. But, but, right, there is going to be a big, big change. And it's not going to go back to the way it was. It will, of course, return to some degree to the way it was. But everyone's going to like the working from home stuff. Everyone's going to recognize that efficiency. And banks are going to have to write down the value of their assets, right? I think the bank holds the value of the asset if you're still paying your mortgage because they can take it back if you fail to do so. But if the bank has to write down the value of their assets, if financial institutions have to write down the value of their assets, they're going to have to call in a whole bunch of loans. And a lot of those loans are not going to be happening, right? Uh, and um, they're not going to be valid. So they're going to have to write down the value of those loans and you get this snowball effect, right? All right, let us continue. It's a great course to see thousands and thousands of people coming by for all of this. And uh, so, yeah, sorry, I forgot to mention this tweet that I have up. So Lisa says, we'll all get evicted. Our complex specifically sent out a statement saying that, that layoffs due to coronavirus are not an excuse to not pay rent and eviction will follow if rent isn't paid. Well, will it? Will it actually follow? I don't know because the sheriff's department is going to be like the hospitals, like slightly less, but they're not going to be able to evict everyone. They just can't. I mean, all social contracts rely on a vast majority of people complying with that social contract. If that's not happening, well, um, it's going to be terrifying. And this, of course, means that, I mean, this is what's happened, right? Okay, real briefly, real briefly, okay. So the Federal Reserve can control interest rates. The Federal Reserve, central banking as a whole, controls interest rates and controls the money supply. So in order to prop up the economy, they have been flooding the market with money and they've been crushing down interest rates. Crushing down interest rates provokes current spending, right? Because uh, when there's inflation, you have to spend your money or you're going to lose it. And if interest rates are very low, you don't want to save it because the interest rates aren't going to cover the losses that you take from inflation, right? So inflation or money counterfeiting by the government is a silent, eroding, eroding thief. Worse than time on my hairline. And 
it, it's a silent thief that comes in and steals from your assets every single day, like every single day. If inflation is running at a real rate of 5%, right? That means that you lose five bucks out of a hundred every single month. Like somebody just came and stole five bucks out of a hundred every single, every single year, sorry, every single year. And so people go on an orgy of spending when the government floods the money supply and lowers interest rates. And of course, governments like it when interest rates are low because that means they have to pay less on their massive accumulated debts. So because interest rates have been low and because inflation has been high, you get an orgy of consumer spending, which makes the economy look good, but it's not. But the problem is, of course, it's like cocaine for a toothache, covers up the problem, but actually makes it worse. So what happens then, of course, is people don't have any savings. Now, why do people not have any savings? Well, they say, ah, yes, well, you see, it's because they, um, they haven't gotten a raise in like 30 years, like sort of lower middle class, middle class, haven't gotten a raise in 30 years or 40 years, really, really since the late 70s, early 80s. Now, that's important and that's true for sure, but people can always spend less. And we've lived on this delusion for really since the post-Second World War. We've lived on this delusion that nothing fundamental can go wrong. Now, the greatest generation, as they're called, the people who grew up during the Great Depression, Second World War, well, they know that a whole lot of things can go wrong. Or at least they knew that. They're mostly pretty ancient now. But they knew things are going to go wrong. You've got to plan for things going wrong in life. Why you buy insurance. It's why you have savings. It's why you exercise. It's why you don't eat badly. It's why you take care of your teeth. You have to prepare for things going wrong in life. Don't become obese. Don't like do just things are going to go wrong. That's what I'm going to tell you. But we've been living on this delusion that everything's going to go fine. And now, while things aren't fine, people don't have any savings and they got to run to the government. And uh, that's what they're doing. So somebody posted this on my YouTube channel. And I really do appreciate the people who put the comments in. MSNBC, make sure... Nobody blames China. MSNBC. All right. So Mick Jones. Why does that remind me of the Rolling Stones? Anyway. So Mick Jones said, I would rather pay a little more for my next flat screen TV next time than go through this again. Right. So this is a big question, right? People confuse this with the free market, which is, of course, unfair and unjust. But you were never given the choice, I said, because socialism chased manufacturing overseas and covered up the crimes of the Chinese government. Socialists told you the real danger was, was Christian Russia, not communist China, but Christian Russia. Right? Because socialists hate Christians with a deeply pathological passion uh, for reasons I've gone into a bunch of other times. But um, yeah, socialism chased manufacturing overseas, right? So many years ago, I worked on managing a union contract. So I got to read that contract over and over in great detail. It was in the, um, um, it was in the uh, educational sector. And, I mean, the greed, the grab, and all of this was just completely mad. So unions uh, end up with massive pensions. They end up, uh, what is it, uh, Ford, I think, spends more money on healthcare as does Starbucks than they do on coffee or making cars. And so you end up with unions grabbing things like crazy. And I have no problem with unions in a free market sense. You know, go organize and threaten to strike and all of that. But when you get the government doing all this crazy stuff as well and enforcing the power of the unions and you can't hire any strike breakers, and, well, then the unions, they have too much power. And then you get the environmental hysterics that say, well, you know, we, we've got to not have any pollution from our manufacturing. And it's like, well, you know, if you understand that coronavirus, COVID-19, is a pollutant, right? It is a pollutant because it's, it's airborne, it's fingerborne, and it's killing people by the thousands. This is a form of pollution, right? 
So you say, well, we don't want any pollution, so we're going to put all of these insane health and safety regulations and environmental regulations on everything to keep everyone safe. But, you know, the fantasy of security is the road to tyranny. You, you, there, there is no safety in these areas. There is no security. The only security is, is death, right? Am I a little out of focus here? Uh, no. No, I'm just old. All right, so... Yeah, socialism chase manufacturing overseas. The socialists uh, blame everything on Russia. I mean, good Lord, watch the propaganda fest known as Homeland. I mean, it's it's revolting. It's absolutely revolting what they've done. What did they name the guy who's based on Alex Jones? They named him O'Keefe, right? Good Lord. Just crazy. All right, so um, sorry for these silly names, but uh, Preston Burr, Preston Burr, oh, Preston J. Burr, I guess is his name had something interesting to say. It's something that I've been talking about on Twitter for quite a while. And um, he said this, I'll agree to a two to six billion dollar, trillion dollar bailout if we seize and cancel all outstanding treasury debt held by China to pay for it, right? So China, I think, has trillions of dollars of U.S. treasuries. One of the reasons why um, America wants to prop up the Chinese economy by outsourcing manufacturing so that the Chinese government has enough money to buy U.S. treasuries so that the American politicians can bribe Americans into stupefied compliance with the spread of socialism. Boy, there's a title for the show. So, I think China owns reparations. They covered up coronavirus. They may be responsible for its release. personally think that they are. I think it came out of a lab, but, you know, we'll probably never know that for sure. But yeah, China facilitated the spread of this. They covered it up. They arrested people who were talking about it on social media. They denied the World Health Organization. Well, the head of that was basically installed by China as completely corrupt, in my humble opinion. Uh, and they didn't close their airports. They didn't tell people about the dangers. And um, yeah, so they are responsible. And what reparations should the Chinese government pay? Well, um, I really don't know. But uh, I would certainly be interested in uh, exploring that possibility that you say, I'm sorry, man, uh, I know that we owe you a bunch of payments on your treasuries, but uh, I'm afraid we need the money because you put a godforsaken virus uh, down the throat of the world through your inaction, incompetence, and vanity and insecurity. Two sides of the same coin. All right. So you've heard a lot, of course, about Hong Kong and how they beat it. I'm telling you, man, this is part of the permanent human landscape now. This disease is now part of the permanent human landscape. It's going to mutate. It's going to hang around. Remember, mutation on RNA, right? So coronavirus is an RNA. COVID-19 is an RNA-based life form, or whatever you want to call it. And RNA mutates at a rate 100 times that of DNA. So it's going to keep warping and mutating and all of that, right? So Hong Kong was a model of how to handle the novel coronavirus, but now it's coming back. In early March, Time magazine called the region a lodestar for its ability to seemingly keep the disease at bay, but the mistake of sending people back to work before the virus was really dealt with was not far off. In the first week of March, Hong Kong tried to return to a semblance of normality. Their cases have ticked up ever since, right? So this is from mid-February to March 22nd, as you can see. They had, had it crushed down with social isolation. Social isolation is a temporary measure to prepare yourself for the inevitable uptick in cases that's going to occur when life returns to normal. So they had this aggressive response, and they shut everything down, and that tamped it down. And then they tried to return to normal, and there are increases in the cases. Now, again, it's not catastrophic and so on, but it certainly is going back up. Uh, it's, uh, you know, you can feel it coming in the air. And 
trying to imagine that it can just be magicked away through social isolation, uh, it certainly helps in the moment, but it is not going to um, solve this problem in the long run. It's just not. I'm sorry. I mean, I wish it would. I wish it would, but it's not. All right, let's go to Spain and uh, talk about what's going on there, because uh, it's not pretty. Okay, so the Spanish military, this is from NPR, and again, I'll put all the sources to this in the links below. The Spanish military has found dead bodies and seniors completely abandoned in care homes. The Spanish military has found all the residents of some care homes, quote, completely abandoned and even, quote, dead in their beds, according to their defense minister. They were found as soldiers disinfected and provided emergency health care services this week to residential homes across the country. Robles did not give an exact figure for the number of dead bodies found by Spanish soldiers. Uh, this is from yesterday. And more than 39,000 confirmed cases of COVID-19 and 2,800 deaths as of yesterday. Spain is the second hardest hit country in Europe. On Tuesday, 514 new deaths were registered in a 24-hour period, the worst increase since the outbreak began. And of course, retirement homes are particularly affected. One privately owned home in Madrid reported 20 deaths and 75 infections. And so, you know, we've, we've had this horrible, wild experiment that I've been talking about for many years on this show. But this horrible, wild experiment in the West of completely destroying the intergenerational contract, right? So the contract is quite simple. You take care of your children when they're young, and they will in turn take care of you when you're older. That is the, the, that is the pendulum. That is the TikTok of the generations. And uh, we hadn't learned from King Lear. Oh, and by the way, did you know that Shakespeare wrote King Lear while he was under quarantine in Elizabethan England? Yes, it's true. So go crank out a masterpiece of world uh, theater literature. So there is this... Gen now, what's happened, of course, since the 1960s, since the socialists who have always... Communist socialists always want to destroy the family. Because when you destroy the family, um, people rely on the state. They become dependent on the state. And if you convince women to work, your tax revenues go up as the government goes, and kids can get into socialist daycares. I worked in one for many years, and they get all of this peer bonding rather than parent bonding. And if you get women to go to work, the transmission of cultural values developed over tens of thousands of years is completely stopped. Because kids don't learn any cultural value in daycares. They might, except the daycares are wildly multicultural, which means you can't teach any Christian values because you could be offending the Muslim, or you can't teach any values at all because someone's going to get upset. So they become these amoral, Lord of the Flies, Nietzschean will to power situations where children bond with their usually lowest common denominator, semi-sociopathic peers, rather than bonding with their parents and receiving the rich wisdom so hard-earned by our ancestors for dozens and dozens of generations. So we've had this whole experiment, and now there's this, you know, this OK Boomer stuff and all of this, you know, people call me a boomer, although I'm not uh, technically a boomer. I'm two years past the end of the boomer situation. Boomers are up to 64. I'm born in 66. Not hugely important. I guess um, we older gentlemen look all the same to you young people who you know, did master the incredibly difficult feat of actually being born later than I was. Whoa, you must be so proud. What a, what a thing to achieve. Well done, well done. But all of this OK Boomer stuff is this frustration and this anger and this, you know, uh, rage at being forced to support boomers who didn't invest in their children as a whole. And lots of exceptions, but they didn't invest in their children. And so this is why I say, A, have kids, and B, be nice to them and don't end up 
being abandoned to die a painful, slow, and horrible death in an old age home because you wanted some stupid TV and went to go and work for it when you were in your 20s and 30s and you were supposed to be home taking care of your kids. Take care of your kids. I can't believe I need to say these things, but apparently I do. And of course, if you don't have kids, well, you have even fewer people who are going to care about you when you get old, right? All right. Okay, so, um, Harvard, oh, repulsive, absolutely repulsive organization as a whole. So Harvard, which boasts a $40 billion endowment, lays off dining hall, hall workers due to coronavirus, right? So, um, Harvard University is the largest endowment of any school, this is from two, uh, yesterday, is cutting its subcontracted dining hall workers without pay as it shuts down in response to the coronavirus pandemic. The move is drawing criticism from employment rights advocates on and off campuses who point to the fact this $40.9 billion endowment school is not hurting for money. They also claim the decision violates Harvard's wage equality policy, which requires the university to compensate dining hall contract workers in a fashion comparable to the school's directly hired workers. Harvard University President Lawrence Bacow and his wife tested positive for coronavirus on Tuesday. They... Um, they were tested Monday and, and received results. Sorry, they were tested Monday after experiencing symptoms Sunday, received results within 24 hours. I guess it's good to be, good to be king. So, I mean, this is repulsive. These are very vulnerable workers. And Harvard is very lefty, very socialist, very, you know, power to the working class and support the um, proletariat and so on. Oh, until, uh, well, there's a slight downtick in... Uh, you know, at least lay them off with pay, for God's sakes. You guys are sitting on $41 billion. What the hell is the matter with you? Well, I mean, socialists have always had the greatest contempt for the working class because they usually have had nothing to do with the working class. Having grown up in the poor, welfare, and working classes, um, I, I get it. But, um, yeah, just never take these people seriously. I've, oh, yeah. So, Betsy DeVos, this is really quite a fascinating development. So, Betsy DeVos... Well, let me let me read off the headline and make sure that you guys uh, get all of this. DeVos has halted collection of defaulted federal student loans. That is a very, very big deal. This is as of yesterday. The Trump administration has stopped seizing the wages, tax refunds, and Social Security benefits of people who are in default on their federal student loans. An administration official confirmed to Politico on Tuesday. The Education Department is, pulling, is putting a stop to collecting on defaulted federal student loans amid the coronavirus pandemic and ordering private collection firms to stop pursuing borrowers until further notice. The department plans to make the policy retroactive to March 13th. Today, President Donald Trump declared a national emergency, the official said. It provides a reprieve for the more than 9 million federal student loan borrowers who were in default on their debt borrowers default on the, those loans by failing to make a payment for roughly one year. That is a wild thing. That is a wild thing. The idea of student loan forgiveness, of course, is a big issue. I think it's the Sanders was talking about it, if I remember rightly. It's a very big issue. It's a very big issue and complicated, of course, not only from a political, but also from a moral standpoint. Oh, yeah. Don't forget to give this a thumbs up if you don't mind to almost 5,000 people watching. Uh, please uh, give this a thumbs up and please share this. This is important and people can start watching from the beginning 
and all of that. So uh, please uh, do that to get this information out there. Whatever you think of my politics, this is important information. You know, and it is really frustrating too, you know, as far as this goes. I've been covering these pandemics for 15 years off and on. I did Ebola, I did a bunch of others, and I've always had good information. Now, social media companies have been suppressing what it is that I do for quite some time, and so fewer people have gotten this information. And, um, you know, I have sort of called on a moratorium for social media companies, those who have demonetized uh, channels. My channel, of course, on YouTube has been completely demonetized for quite a long time now, well over a year. They let me reapply, but it doesn't really matter, right? And at a time when people are relying even more so on online income and they're working from home, I would say that it's a good policy to suspend demonetization until this crisis has passed. I actually offered to YouTube that they could take 100% of my super chats and donate it to a charity, or I will show the receipts of me donating it to a worthwhile charity. It's not that I want to become rich off those, but um, I think that people should have the access to the income that they used to have, and uh, they should allow people to uh, re regain super chat ability who have had it denied. You can put us all back into the naughty corner afterwards, but uh, I think this is really quite important. Okay, so let's, sorry, do a little bit circular here. These are just in order of uh, my notes, but let's go back a little bit here into dealing with this rental issue, which is huge. And please, my friends, save money. You know, save, save money. Don't, don't waste it on, on crap. Don't waste it on garbage. Save, save your money. It's so, so important. Um, I mean, having grown up super poor, I've always been terrified of running out of money, so I'm... I'm a hoarder of cash. Uh, I am notoriously cheap. Uh, even even as a teenager, uh, people used to joke that getting me to pry open my wallet was like breaking into Fort Knox. And uh, I really do try to. I can. I'll I'll try and spend wisely. In other words, I will try not to spend on things that depreciate in value, and I will try to spend on things that appreciate in value. All right. So this is from yesterday, and this is from Property Lines. Uh, so it always starts off, you know, it's aimed at women when it always starts off with um, a woman in peril or an individual story. Like, I don't know why women can't understand abstracts, like this is what they think or something like that. Um, but they can, of course. But you don't need to start with some person who's worried about this. But this is Lucy Bogard, struggled with tears and sleepless nights this week. 32-year-old, works as a freelancer, booking mostly editorial and commercial work related to the restaurant industry. Ooh, that's not good, right? On Wednesday, March 11th, she lost half her business as clients called to cancel work. So she does a uh, uh, photographer. For, she's a photographer, right? By Friday, all her work for the next two months was gone. March was going to be her busiest month. So she's been doing this for 12 years, right? Um, she's been doing this for 12 years. Now she's desperately trying to fill her days with running puzzles and Netflix. Okay, that's a terrible way to spend your quarantine time. The way you want to spend your quarantine time is to up your skills so that you're more in demand when the value, uh, when the economy comes back. So please, don't, I mean, yeah, okay, have some fun. I'm playing a bit of doom here and there, but uh, work on upping your skills and upping your value to employers. Work on starting a side hustle. Work on trying to figure out how to make some money online. Running puzzles on Netflix. Anyway, so she's been doing this job. She's 32 years old. She's doing this job for 12 years, right? So 12 years, man. Holy crap. That's a long time to be a photographer, right? Now, look at this. 
<sighs> like many workers coping with the new economic realities brought on by the coronavirus, Bogart worries about how she'll pay the bills, especially her share of... This is really sad. I got to tell you, this is just heartbreaking. Her share of rent for an apartment she splits with two other roommates, which comes to $612 a month. My God. Um, boy, I don't even know what to say. But I do have a lot to say about this. Oh, man. This is... This is just wretched. This is just wretched. Look at this. Look at this poor woman who thinks she has a career. She's been working for 12 years on this. 12 years, full-time, as a photographer. And what is the end result of this? Well, she's living like I was living when I was 20. I mean, I lived in, uh, uh, when I was doing my master's degree, I lived in a house with four other people. I had one room, and it was a house with four other people. It cost me $270 a month. All in. And... So this woman, now that was way back ago, it may translate to this now, but uh, this is the, um, this is the sum of her 12-year career. Like, what the hell are you doing? Right? This is where this virus, this economic crisis, is going to scrub the marginal producers from the economy. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, where is her friends? Where are her family saying, what, are you kidding me? You've been working on something professionally for 12 years and you're still splitting an apartment with two other roommates? That is a catastrophic failure right there. Like, you are a complete and total failure in your business. Like, either you're not charging enough, or there's not enough demand, but my God, of course you need to be doing something else. I mean, 32, to settle down and have some kids, for heaven's sakes, right? You know, get married to a guy who could actually do something economically valuable. But yeah, she says, I probably have enough money to get through March or April. Maybe just enough to pay rent, but few funds to take care of all the other bills and expenses I need to get by. It's pretty unnerving. Will I lose everything or will it blow over? And can I bounce back quickly? Now, in my personal opinion, people like this, like, I don't even know what they're doing in the economy. Like, not only are they not making any money, but, so look at this. She's running, she's doing puzzles, and she's watching Netflix. Right? Now, this is March 11th to the 25th, right? This is two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. She lost her clients. And now she's been, oh, I'm going to go running. I'm going to do some puzzles. I'm going to watch some Netflix. Hmm. And then, two weeks after this disaster, she says, I probably have enough money to get through March or April. Maybe just enough to pay rent. Maybe. Probably. She doesn't even know whether she has enough money to get through March or April. Doesn't even know if she has enough just to pay rent for one month or two months. My God, woman, what are you doing? Sit down with a calculator and figure out whether you can afford your rent. What are you watching Netflix for? Why do you have Netflix if you can't afford more than 600 bucks a month in rent? God. It's, it's, it's truly mad. Okay, so cities and states have responded quickly with eviction moratoriums. Great first step to prevent people from immediately losing shelter in the midst of a global pandemic. And so Randy Shaw, housing activist in San Francisco, says April 1st won't be so bad for tenants because so many places have passed moratoriums on evictions. The calamity will be June 1st or July 1st. Renters can be evicted in June or July for back rent from April and May. Come on. Someone like this woman, and I, I don't mean to pick on her. I, I don't mean to pick on her at all. 
just a decent example. I'm sure she's a lovely woman in many ways, right? But she should have been having kids. She should have been married. She should have been continuing the culture that, that birthed her, so to speak, right? She shouldn't have been sitting there LARPing as an entrepreneur, then after 12 years, not having a clue how much money she has, and still living in an apartment you split with two other roommates. That is, that is like perpetual adolescence. I mean, you should not be, it's like the old saying, right? Anybody who's seen on a bus after the age of 30 is a failure in life. And it's harsh, but, you know, people need to hear these harsh truths. This woman should not be in the economy. She's not an entrepreneur. I mean, it's terrible. She should be doing something else with her life. I don't know. Now, this is going to do a lot in terms of gender relations uh, and economic efficiency. All right. Um, yeah, the L.A. County Sheriff, right? So, of course, there is going to be a massive power grab going on in the state, right? And the state is going to use this. I mean, the socialists, the leftists, the Democrats, the whoever, right? They're going to try and use this to grab as much power as humanly possible because, as the old socialist saying goes, never let a good crisis go to waste. So this is as of yesterday. The L.A. County Sheriff tells me he's beginning to close county gun stores immediately. Deputies are currently going to the stores one by one to order them shut down. Sheriff to utilize scoff law violations for any gun store still open after he deemed them non-essential. <laughs> you know, if there's one thing that you want in a pandemic to, to be essential, it's kind of like a gun store, right? You want people to be armed because the state is not going to be able to protect you. Well, it never could. But now this is going to be a kind of, uh, kind of important, right? Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, I'll give you this. I'll give you this link. So, they are, of course, going to try and get rid of the Second Amendment, which leftists literally hate, right? Because leftists want to do stuff that you need to defend yourself against. And so, the first thing they want to do is disarm the population. That's kind of inevitable, right? Uh, this is a link. I mentioned this earlier just for those of you who are just joining us. I mean, I guess you've been doing other things. I have no idea why when this uh, live stream is going on. This is from a contact of mine. A cable TV media employee was fired for putting out a post about the missing phone number accounts owners in China, which many have considered one of the reliable estimators for deaths in China due to the CCP mandatory real names only registration policy. Now, of course, this is in Mandarin, I assume, or something like that. Cantonese, I don't know. I'm no expert. But uh, again, I'll put this links below. But this is uh, really important that there are indications that there is a, um, a death count in China that is enormous. Now, I don't know if you've heard this one. This one, I mean, the media is wretched and sociopathic and false and murderous and all these kinds of things as a whole. I mean, there are some exceptions, but okay. Now, okay, this is, uh, this is Gizmodo, but nonetheless... So they say man dies, wife critical from chloroquine after hearing Trump tout unproven COVID-19 treatment, right? So here, literally, they are trying to pin the deaths of this man and this woman on Trump. Uh, no, I don't want GE Force experience, sorry. Um, so let's, let's look at this article because this, I mean, I, I try not to be too cynical because, you know, then it's tough to get out of bed. But at the same time, you kind of got to process what's happening in reality. It's a delicate balance, let me tell you this. All right. And this was reported all over the mainstream media. All over the mainstream media. All right. So this was yesterday, right? 
An Arizona man has died and his wife is in critical condition after listening to Donald Trump promote anti-malarial drug chloroquine as a treatment for the novel coronavirus and deciding to take some themselves, CNN reported on Monday evening. Trump has repeatedly brought up chloroquine as possibly being, quote, a very powerful treatment, end quote, for the virus on the basis of a small French study, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, what's the story there, right? What is the story there? Well, turns out uh, it's not really the case, right? Per NBC News, the woman in critical care said she and her husband were afraid of getting sick and attempted to medicate themselves with chloroquine after seeing Trump discuss the medication on television. So, they weren't even sick. The two actually took a treatment for parasite infestations in aquariums, which listed chloroquine phosphate, not the same thing, as an ingredient, and was only in their residence because they had once owned koi. The fish, right? A big fish you see in Chinese restaurants. So Trump, you see, is responsible for talking about a possible treatment for coronavirus. He's responsible for the death of the people who took parasite treatment for aquariums, ingested it when they weren't even sick. So Trump, you see, is responsible for that. My God. Dear God in heaven. I mean, that is completely insane for all of this. All right, uh, I won't play all of this because I assume it's in Spanish, but let's just remind ourselves how bad the government was about all of this. Of course, the World Health Organization in January saying that there was no evidence of person-to-person transmission. Let's just remember how bad the government is. So this is from March the 22nd. Hashtag Spain from uh, uh, Michael Welling. February 14th, Director of the Center of Coordination of Health Affairs and Emergencies of the Ministry of Health said, In Spain, we do not have COVID-19. And, quote, the population must understand that there is no risk. Director of the Center of Coordination of Health Alerts and Emergencies. The population must understand that there is no risk. I don't know how people get out of bed in the morning literally with this amount of blood on their hands. Uh, These people are responsible for the deaths of many, many people. The the numbers will be staggering in, right? Because this people, they don't take precautions. They don't socially isolate. They don't wash their hands. They don't avoid touching their faces. They just, right? How, like, what is is their major malfunction that they, they don't just sit there and, I don't know, throw themselves off a bridge or something like that? Um, that is really, really just astonishing. Now, this is from uh, Mike Cernovich, because now, of course, the mainstream media is getting mad and saying that Trump should have acted earlier, or, you know, they were right and everyone else is wrong. Well, uh, let's look at some facts, right? He says, this is from two days ago, there are just objective ways to measure coronavirus media coverage. You can see that coronavirus was treated as a tiny story in January and February, first week of March is when it takes off. The liberal media was, at best, one week ahead of Trump. Right? So that is kind of important, right? So I was reporting on it just in here, right? I was think January 25th. I can't remember when I first tweeted about it, but January 25th was when I had my first show, referring to it as China's Chernobyl. I believe my very next show was about pandemic, it being a pandemic, 
And uh, so, yeah, I was in there. Now the media bros are cooking in here around March. What can I tell you? These are the facts, and this is why people who listen to me are well prepared. And again, I say this not out of any thirst or desire for accolades, although I'm certainly happy if you donate to me, but because I'm going to remind people of my credibility so that people listen to me when I talk to them about what is actually dangerous in the world. Uh, and it's not Russia. And uh, this I posted two days ago, and uh, this is important as well. Oh, by the way, do you know that uh, gun stores are shut down as non-essential in some places, but medical, oh, sorry, but marijuana dispensaries are still open? Uh, it's revolting. It's revolting. All right, let's do one or two more of these tweets, and then we will get to one or two more stories, and then I want to take your questions and see how you guys are doing. Are we few, we happy few? Yeah, coronavirus is accelerating just as I predicted. It took 67 days to get to 100,000 cases. It took 11 days for the next 100,000 and just four days for the third 100,000. Now we're going at over 10% growth per day. Hunker down, my friends. The storm is upon us. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And 10% growth per day, of course, you think of a week, you know, people who don't understand math. And, you know, the big difference, you know, it's like an IQ test, right? So the people who understand exponential functions were the people who saw this coming and the people who don't, um, didn't see it coming. I guess maybe the people who don't know how much money they've got for rent over the next two months, despite supposedly being an entrepreneur for 12 years. But 10% um, growth per day, that's not, you think, oh, well, that's 70% growth in a week. But it's not, of course, right? Uh, it's not at all, right? That's close to doubling in, um, in a week because you have to increment the 10% on the 10% as well, right? So that is people who just multiply, who don't understand exponential growth. Those are the people who are calling all of these problems. All of these problems. Uh, I'm a president of a conservative fraternity. We are called Black Ring Club. Give us a shout out because we watch all your stuff, man. I refuse to give you a shout out, Black Ring Club. Uh, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thank you for watching and spreading. In Canada, beer and liquor stores are considered essential services. That seems important. Uh, this is, um, yeah, the alcohol. Now, people did. They reminded me, and I was happy to be corrected on this, but they reminded me the number of, 4% uh, of Canadians are considered alcoholics. I personally think it's higher, but this is what they said, and they said having tens of thousands of people going through delirium, delirious tremens, delirium tremens, DTs, Cold turkeying from alcohol uh, is not a good idea when everyone's home alone, right? Uh, right. Um, death toll, highest to lowest. So here we go. Um, this is a graphic. I'm sorry you can't see it too well. Shall I just shall I just full screen this mofo? Yeah, all right. So this is the death toll of various pandemics. I'm sorry if you can't see this too well, but um, I'm doing my best. So, 1347 to 1351, the bubonic plague, the Black Death, yep, came from China. The plague originated in rats and spread to humans via infected fleas. The outbreak wiped out 30 to 50% of Europe's population. It took more than 200 years for the continent's population to recover. And this, of course, came right after several hundred years 
of Muslim predation and the enslavement of millions of Europeans through Islam. I'm, I'm sure they'll be admitting it soon and reparations will be forthcoming. Smallpox killed an estimated 90% of Native Americans in Europe during the 1800s. An estimated 400,000 people were being killed by smallpox annually. The first ever vaccine was created to ward off smallpox. came from China. Spanish flu, 1918 to 1919, 40 to 50 million people came out of China. And um, I know that there's some rumors about it from Kansas, but uh, just look, go look up the data. The plague of Justinian, 541 to 542, killed 30 to 50 million. The death toll of this plague is still under debate as new evidence is uncovered. But many think it may have helped hasten the fall of the Roman Empire. And HIV AIDS, of course, not counted as coming from China. That came from Africa. And uh, I'll, again, put the link to all of this below. But, um, yeah, third plague, and uh, the Antonine Plague, the 17th century Great Plague, the Asian flu, the Russian flu, the Hong Kong flu, the Japanese smallpox epidemic, the 18th century Great Plagues, the swine flu, novel coronavirus, and SARS. So, China, you got some splaining to do. Maybe, uh, just maybe, uh, A, wash your goddamn hands, and B, stop eating all this weird shit. That would be uh, that would be really nice. You know, be great. I don't mean to be much of a fusspot, but I think uh, Europeans are a little bit tired of getting all of these diseases from China and then having to come up with all of these cures all the time. Uh, you know, just a little bit of a break. You know, just a little bit of a a break would be would be really nice. All right, one or two more articles, and then we'll get into a chat and see how how you guys are doing. Um, oh yeah, okay, okay. Let's see here. Um, sorry, I'm just getting some new information coming in here. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. So I've been talking about the corruption of the World Health Organization. And of course, I mean, all of the money, or at least it can't cover it all, but some of the money that is being spent on this bailout. Oh yeah, we'll get to that too. Well, of course it should come from, they should stop giving money to the UN, to the World Health Organization, which are completely corrupt, technocratic, one-world government crap. China helped put this man in charge of the World Health Organization. Is it paying off? Right, so he won his post after China backed him in the May 2017 election. Now Tedros is leading the WHO, an arm of the United Nations, in providing cover for China's oppressive regime as it attempts to shirk responsibility for the global coronavirus pandemic. Despite all evidence to the contrary, Chinese authorities are weaving a false counter-narrative in which China was actually the victim of a foreign virus that it quickly moved to contain, and the World Health Organization is helping them do it. Right? So, yeah, non-whites are good, whites are bad. It's the usual leftist garbage uh, that uh, goes on. Boy, you want to see a slow response? You want to see a slow response? Look at um, Barack Obama's response to, I think it was the swine flu. Just mad. So Texas abortion clinics are ordered to shut down. And uh, so I guess, uh, uh, well, um, some people uh, live and uh, some people die, right? So some people dying from coronavirus, but a lot of babies are going to get to live. And that is not, I mean, that's just in a weird, weird things, right? U.S. virus cases are going to, according to Global Times, U.S. virus cases are going to surpass China in April. Uh, let me just get. So that's um, something to be, uh, I guess, uh, somewhat concerned about. 
out there in Mandarin too. Again, I will put the link for this below. Okay, let me just see here. Sorry, I'm just getting a couple of new things here. All right. U.S. senators and congressmen have been critical of China on the coronavirus Wuhan pneumonia in tweets lately, and there's a list of all of that, which is uh, well worth checking out. And I'll just check one more tweet here. And I'm doing more there is no doubt that China's unconscionable decision to orchestrate an elaborate cover-up of the wide-ranging and deadly implications of coronavirus led to the death of thousands of people in climbing. China must and will be held accountable. Yeah, except they, you know, the media will just constantly cover this up. Do you know that the media has written more harshly of me, a little podcaster, has written more harshly of me than of the Chinese government that has facilitated a worldwide pandemic? Because, you know, really, really important to have your priorities straight in these areas. All right. A couple more things uh, from context. What have we got here? Oh, yeah, co-infection with SARS-CoV-2. I'll put that in. Oh, yeah, okay, so let's talk about this um, this bailout. This bailout. I guess it's progress that people are actually being bailed out rather than the banks. But let's talk about this, right? This is, sorry, more for my American listeners, but this will be, of course, there's one in Canada as well. So let's see about this. Coronavirus in Illinois. Overtaking corruption, I think, is one of the big problems. Okay, so, oh yeah, and it's really fascinating. Now people actually get a chance to see how laws are actually made, right? Which is Nancy Pelosi referring to diversity 32 times in the proposed bill, trying to get uh, DACA forgiveness uh, for the people who are in America illegally, but were born as children. Trying to wedge every leftist political issue. Uh, that's important for people to see that, right? Okay, so this, of course, is coming out today. Two people, of course, have tested positive for the New York Times. And here's a kind of funny thing. It's a kind of funny cycle, right? I don't take pleasure in these, but I, I notice them, right? So here's a funny cycle, right? Which is this. So the mainstream media has relentlessly smeared and slandered and attacked alternative media sources like me. What that means is that people have stopped listening. They've stopped paying as much attention. They've stopped taking people like me as seriously. And so they've been listening to the mainstream media, which was massively downplaying the coronavirus danger. And... Then what happens, of course, is the virus spreads as a result of the smears of the mainstream media onto the alternative media. And then the mainstream media, I think two people have tested positive at the New York Times for coronavirus. And it's pretty tough to run a newspaper from home, but I can still keep doing what I'm doing. So it's just one of these weird cycles. Uh, I'm, I'm literally this close to becoming a Christian when you see these kinds of moral cycles going on. All right. Trump administration officials and top Democrats finalized an agreement early Wednesday on a roughly $2 trillion rescue package to confront the coronavirus pandemic, the largest economic stimulus measure in modern history. Now, of course, they have no money, right? This is really, really important. Like, they have no money. Government doesn't have any money. That's the beginning of economic wisdom, as I mentioned, right? After days of partisan bickering and closed-door haggling, negotiators emerged from their final huddle and announced that they had struck a deal to send relief to workers, businesses, and hospitals devastated by the pandemic and the economic disruption it has caused. The Senate was expected to pass the mammoth bill later Wednesday and send it over to the House, which is also planning to move quickly and send it to President Donald Trump for swift enactment. 
The sheer size and scope of the package would have been unthinkable only a couple of weeks ago in a deeply polarized Congress that has found it impossible in recent years to agree on major new policy initiatives. In effect, this is a wartime level of investment into our nation, said Mitch McConnell. So what's in the package? The government's going to send direct payments to taxpayers. Lawmakers agreed to provide $1,200 in direct payments to taxpayers with incomes up to $75,000 per year before starting to phase out and ending altogether for those earning more than $99,000. Families would receive an additional $500 per child in an attempt to create a safety net for those whose jobs and businesses are affected by the pandemic. Unemployment benefits. A million Canadians have applied for unemployment benefits over the last little while. Unemployment benefits will grow substantially and go to many more Americans. Lawmakers agreed to a significant expansion of unemployment benefits that would extend jobless insurance by 13 weeks and include a four-month enhancement of benefits. Broadened to include freelancers, furloughed employees, and gig workers such as Uber drivers. Small businesses will receive emergency loans if they keep their workers. The bill provides federally guaranteed loans available at community banks to small businesses that pledge not to lay off their workers. The loans would be available during an emergency period ending June 30th and would be forgiven if the employer continued to pay workers for the duration of the crisis. Loans for distressed companies would come from a $425 billion fund controlled by the Federal Reserve. An additional $75 billion would be available for industry-specific loans, including to airlines and hotels. Creation of the Federal Reserve Fund was one of the chief sticking points in the negotiations as grim memories of the 2008 Wall Street bailout, which activists in both parties came to regard as a flawed program that benefited rich corporations at the expense of U.S. workers hung over the negotiations. So you can look into more details about this, but that is what's going on. Now, of course, there, people don't have any savings. So giving people 1200 bucks, I mean, it's a little sad, right? It's a little pathetic. Uh, it's not going to do much. And of course, as I said, so I'm just move this over. Government doesn't have any money anyway, right? So, you know, this is just more borrowing. This is more money printing. Uh, the money is going to be spent, but of course, it's not going to be worth uh, that much, right? Because as the money gets spent, uh, as the money gets created, as the money gets printed, as the money gets borrowed, as the money gets jammed into the economy, as the money gets helicoptered down, which was originally something Milton Friedman put in as a joke, which later became kind of serious, but um, the money's not going to be worth that much, right? So you say, oh, we're going to give them 1200 bucks, but if everyone gets 1200 bucks, and I guess Andrew Yang smiles in satisfaction, well, there's money, there's no additional productivity going on. At a time of diminished productivity, you're pumping more money into the system. You're just going to drive inflation and possibly hyperinflation. Have you listened to uh, Amazing Polly? Uh, yes, I have. She's very good. Uh, please, please do check her out. Very, very interesting woman. So, all right, let's jump to you, my good friends, and let's hear what you have to say. What questions you have, what comments you have, I am all ears. Please don't forget to help me out at freedomain.com forward slash donate. It is a challenge uh, at the moment. This world is a challenge at the moment. And uh, let's see here. Bench press video, that would be badass. Well, I tell you this, man. Uh, what is it? Someone said, my gym is now closed. I'm trying out obesity. So please exercise, my friends. Uh, what, if you don't have a gym, you can just do your presses off your couch. You can do push-ups. You can do sit-ups. You can run up and down your stairs or anything. Like, please, please exercise. Stay strong. Get sleep. Uh, stay healthy. Eat well. And don't eat sugar. My gosh. I mean, I'm, I'm a new, new convert. Well, not that new. It's been about two, three years since I've done mostly the no sugar thing. I occasionally have a cookie here or there. But uh, listen, don't, uh, 
really take care of your teeth. You do not want to have a dental emergency at the moment, my friends. You do not want to have a gum infection. You don't want to get um, any, any of that stuff. You don't want to have cavities. You don't want to have anything that's going to need a root canal. You really, really don't want to have to go to a dentist at the moment. So uh, I use a water flosser in particular, but whatever it is, you've got to floss, you've got to brush your teeth well, cut back on the sugar, eliminate it if you can, exercise well, get your sleep, try and stay as healthy as, healthy as humanly possible. That's really, really important. Uh, is stevia okay? I'm, is that the one that comes from the plants? I try and stay away from the artificial. In fact, I do stay away. Uh, I used to quite enjoy my, my Diet Coke. Uh, I haven't drunk any in years. Oh, I did have one at a restaurant the other day. It's actually pretty good. Uh, I don't have sugar in my coffee. I have never really had sugar in my coffee, uh, but um, uh, I try to certainly, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of aspartame. I'm not a fan of all of that stuff. I think the stevia is the one that comes from the plants. I don't know much about that, but uh, okay. How much of the increased infection numbers can you attribute to the increased rate of testing rather than the actual spread of the virus? Well, there's obviously some, but um, so we don't know the numbers. We don't know the numbers for sure, but it's not just increased testing for sure, because there still are big delays in, in testing and so on, right? Uh, the economy is paramount. This virus will burn itself out, but the impact on the economy will stick around a long time. Um, so that is, uh, that is important. The coronavirus is uh, like NCOV. I mean, they're all coronaviruses, colds and flus and all that. But NCOV-19, uh, it's now part of our permanent landscape, and um, it's, it's not going to vanish, so we're going to have to find some way to live with it. I imagine that a lot of people are going to have to be sick, and uh, that's really, really sad, right? You need to flag your Wikipedia page as biased. I don't really know how to do that, but if you want to let me know more about that, you can email me, operations at freedomain.com. Did you hear about a coming internet blackout, or is that just a myth? No, I don't believe so. Will this be permanent? No, it can't be. It can't be, right? So this is really important. So I, I think it was the mayor of New York who was saying, you know, we never put a price on human life. Well, of course we do. I mean, that's just sentimental Hallmark card garbage, right? Of course we put a price on human life. Always we put a price on human life. It's called well, life insurance, actuarial tables, and so on. Excuse me, one sec. <laughs> Pardon me. That's not anything to do with coronavirus. But um, we always put, I mean, look, you could save tens of thousands of lives a year just in America by making the speed limit 10 miles an hour because nobody would really die in a car crash then. We're always balancing efficiency. We're balancing economic activity uh, with human life. So this idea that we can never, like we've just really got out of the habit of making tough decisions as a culture, as a society. Like you have to make tough decisions. As a, and look, you're going to have to make resource decisions about this. And they're already doing this in Italy, right, where they're not giving particular treatments to people who are too old. It's just... It's just the reality. So people who were like, well, we, 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 like if you say, well, we can't ever put a price on human life, you're setting this bar where nobody can have an intelligent discussion about costs and benefits, right? There is no solution to coronavirus. There are only different options. That's all. Like, there's no solution to coronavirus. Now that it's escaped from what I think is a Chinese lab, or at least from Wuhan, now it's out there, um, there's no solution. There's costs and benefits. It's all we got to work with, right? Steph, we went from 600 infected to 1,300 in one day. What does this mean in Quebec? Well, it means that Quebec is in serious trouble. And Quebec was right about borders, as has all of us been right about borders. All right, what else have we got here? 
Please help me. I don't know what that. Oh yeah, of course. So here's here's the all right. Here's the the perfect storm that the left is trying to inflict, uh, certainly in America and other places too, right? So they are fomenting for the release of criminals. Uh, AOC is doing this. A bunch of other people are doing this. It's actually already happening. So a bunch of criminals are being released because of coronavirus, and they're making sure you can't get a hold of a gun. Right? I mean, I did a presentation some months ago called The Destruction of America's Mental Health Care System, wherein I talked about how the communists infiltrated the healthcare system, the mental health care system, and dumped everyone in society because, you know, the left loves doing things which disrupt a peaceful and reasonable society, right? Democrats are the new Chinacrats. Oh, that's true. That's very true. All right, what have we got here? What about fruit? I mean, wash it, but uh, uh, I would certainly eat a lot of fruit. If I were you, I certainly am eating a lot of fruit myself. Ron Paul was coughing very hard this morning. I'm very concerned for his health. Well, I mean, Ron Paul is a, a genuine hero in the freedom movement, and his son, Rand Paul, is one of the few sane politicians on the planet. And Rand Paul, of course, has tested positive for coronavirus, and Nancy Pelosi's daughter said, I guess his neighbor was right in reference to the attack. That was a brutal, vicious, psychotic attack upon Rand Paul by a deranged Democrat, and he had to have part of his lung removed, and it was really bad. So, yeah, I mean, they, they want you dead. They want you dead. They want you dead. They're not kidding about this stuff. My God, of course, right? Where can I find real info in Chinese numbers? Uh, you can't. Looking for real info in Chinese numbers is looking for, like, any comprehensible story in a Studio Ghibli production. All right. Sorry, I just I just watched Spirited Away based on the recommendation of someone, and uh, that's, uh, that's some crazy stuff, man. That's some really, really deranged stuff. All right, don't eat fruit. It's sugar. Ah, uh, yeah, it's not pure sugar, though. It's not refined sugar. And, uh, you know, rinse your mouth out afterwards and all of that. Uh, buy gold with the handouts. Well, that's one, certainly one possibility. Uh, my friend absolutely, without a doubt, has COVID-19, all of the symptoms and no additional symptoms. South Carolina refused to test him because he was not a certain age. The testing is still garbage. Well, that is, that is important. Is it true 14 million phone users in China disappeared? I don't know. But they certainly disappeared from paying their bills, from having an active account. So, Face it, there are at least six times more corona cases than the official Johns Hopkins count. These are only the people that got tested. The real number is much higher in the wild. Well, and of course, a lot of people don't go to the hospital if they've got coronavirus. They don't go and get tested for two reasons. One, a lot of the cases are relatively mild for people. It's just the flu, so to speak. And of course, another reason is that people are like, I'm going to weather this out rather than go to a hospital where I could get much more sick, right? Hospitals are like centers of infection. Like I remember this when I had cancer and I was immunocompromised. I went to a hospital, and they wouldn't let me sit with anyone else. Canadian hospital, because I had a really bad sore throat, and I thought I might need some antibiotics or something, right? And they said, oh, you have to go and wait in a separate room that was kind of like at the end of a corridor, end of a dark corridor, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting to see the doctor. And eventually, and I didn't want to go back because I didn't want to get anything that anyone else had. And eventually, I went back, and I'm like, oh, we forgot about you. I'm like, I'm so glad to be a taxpayer at this moment. Uh, Puerto Rico is about to flatten the confirmed cases curve. It was the first state to implement total lockdown. Well, that's very interesting. So it would be very interesting to see 
the level of leftist control of the media plus diversity that cripples people's governments from doing anything effective about these cases. I think that would be also the other thing too, which is the left, like so people from China, like East Asians, China, Japanese, uh, or the, the Korea, they will vote for the left, right? They are a, a very solid base for the left, right? Not as solid as the black community, not as solid as the Jewish community, but a very solid base for the left. And so if you have a lot of Chinese people in your voting population, I, I would assume that you are, as a politician, it's very hard for you to act decisively because you're afraid of backlash from the Chinese community also being called a racist and so on. So yeah, Puerto Rico is the least diverse state in the U.S. And that's something really interesting, seeing how people, places like Poland, places like Hong Kong, places like Puerto Rico, places that don't have a lot of ethnic diversity seem to be able to deal with things much more clearly and much more decisively because they are not terrified of being called racist by the communist media. So, so um, COVID-19 is SARS? Well, it seems to be related, for sure. Where are all the videos coming out of China? What is happening in Greece? Well, Greece is being invaded. I don't know what's happening with all the videos coming out of China or why there aren't more. I don't know. Your Wikipedia page, Steph, is shocking, filled with lies. That is very true. That is very true. Um, sorry, just going a little bit fast here. Steph, I know this is unrelated, but in a few days, a family member of mine will die. How do I deal with death because of the coronavirus? I will not be able to say any last words. I'm so sorry. Can't get a cell phone in there. I guess it's a phone at the hospital if they're in a hospital, right? So uh, that is... Uh, that's really tragic. So, yeah, William, if you want to call into the Sunday show, we're doing a call-in show Sundays, 11, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and uh, you have to be uh, a member of the Discord server. You can get there through free domain. Sorry, subscribestar.com forward slash free domain. You've got to sign up, a couple of bucks a month, but you will get access to a really great voice and text chat where you get countless listeners hanging out. It's actually really, really cool. They're just creating their whole community there. Uh, people that chat philosophy and talk about things uh, both in voice and in text. And uh, it's run by uh, by me uh, as a whole. And uh, you sign up um, at uh, subscribestar.com forward slash free domain and you will get access to all of that, all of that stuff. Uh, why do you think no media is asking whether this virus is bioengineered or not? Because they cover for, um, they cover for the... Um, the communists, right? Listen, I'm not kidding. I mean, it sounds all kinds of John Birch and, and uh, Joseph McCartney and so on, but the communists, uh, both of the um, leftist kind as a whole and of the Chinese kind, communists have infiltrated. They've been, this is an open plan they've had called the Long March through the institutions. In the 60s, they recognized that they weren't going to be able to convince Americans or the West as a whole of the values of communism, especially after uh, the... Um, revelations from Nikita Khrushchev about the murderous cult of personality run by Stalin. And after A Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich came out, the Gulag Archipelago came out by Solzhenitsyn, there was no way that people were going to be able to convince of communism by the communists. So what did they do? Well, they did two things. One, they infiltrated the institutions and turned to propaganda rather than economic arguments. And number two, they, through the 1965 Immigration Act, imported populations far more liable to vote for the left. Right, that you can't convince the people, just replace them. Right, just replace them. So. All right. A couple more questions. Was the virus released by the deep state? I don't think so. Mick Jagger is a Satanist. I don't know. 
Uh, do you believe your guest prediction when he said prepare for 18 months of this and 7 million people might die in the U.S.? Well, I don't know. Uh, he, he's more of an expert than I am in this area because he's got more education in this area. So he didn't say prepare for 18 months of this like, you, like there's not going to be any food for 18 months. He said it's probably going to take 18 months for this to come, right? Because here's what's going to happen, right? Uh, this unfortunate. This is why pandemics spread so much. This is why they're so dangerous. Here's what happens. So you get a wave of people and then people react to it. And we're seeing this a little bit in Hong Kong, right? So you get a wave of infections and people are like, whoa, right? And then it goes down and people go back to normal. But in pandemics, there's usually more than one wave. More than one wave. I mean, if you go back to that chart I did earlier, I mean, it took half a decade for the majority of the Black Death to go through the population. And then it recurred over the next century or two uh, repetitively. Because what happens is the more people get exposed, the more it spreads, the more it's liable to mutate. And then people who have been infected might get it get the sort of redesigned one or the re-evolved one again. So um, this is not something that is going to, my most likely, I don't know, I'm just predicting. I'm just, I'm not an expert here, but this is sort of what I've read. Most likely, if you look at the, um, I, I did this on a recent live stream, the Spanish flu, 18, 1918 to 1919, killed more people than both the world wars combined, or about the same number. Um, it, it came in waves, right? Okay, first wave, second big wave, and then a third wave. And then it was it was done. So and again, we've got better in, in, um, we've got a better understanding of viruses now. We have CRISPR. We have you know which may be responsible for causing it, but we have a way of gene editing, and we have much better information out there. Much better cooperation among scientists. Maybe there'll be some wonderful uh, treatment. Maybe there'll be a vaccine. Uh, all of these things. But the vaccine probably isn't going to be ready for at least a year. We'll see. I mean, it depends how bad things get and whether people are willing to roll the dice. Uh, I know people who are on ventilators in hospitals. Some of them are not expected to make it. This is not a joke. That is, that is very true. Somebody says, can we help with the Falun Gong situation at all? Many of us don't know that was happening. Is it helpful to mirror content, or can that backfire and cause more censorship somehow? I mean, you can't be silent for fear of censorship, because then censorship has already worked. So, Capitalism loses when it started borrowing money from China. Yeah, it's not a capitalist situation. I mean, the offshoring of all of this... Um, Manufacturing to China was the result of socialism, not capitalism, right? Question, if I owe $100,000 on my mortgage and next year inflation makes a loaf of bread $100, then how does that affect it? Well, it means that you can pay off your mortgage. Well, well, sorry. It means that you should try and pay off your mortgage as quickly as possible because you can pay it with deflated dollars. Or sorry, you can pay it with inflated dollars where the dollar is worth less. But the problem is, of course, that your mortgage, if it has variable rate, when inflation hits, they're just going to jack up the rate, right? I remember a friend of mine bought a condo. He was paying over 20% interest uh, back in the, I think it was late 80s, early 90s. I can't remember the exact boom was in Canada, but it's one of the reasons why Canada got a little bit more conservative about all of this stuff, right? All right. Uh, do you have a recommended reading list for social isolation? Sure. Uh, freedomain.com. You can, uh, all my free books are there and you should check it out there. Have you seen videos of Chinese people purposefully spreading sickness on surfaces in America? Well, I don't know that's particular Chinese people. I've seen a whole bunch of idiots licking things and toilet seats and all that kind of stuff. That's just Darwin Award stuff, man. I think it's horrible, except Darwin Award is usually for people who wipe themselves out, right? Um, so Darwin Award, for those of you who don't know, is people who, it's kind of a snarky, but caustically funny meme wherein like the one i remember reading was a bunch of guys on a ski hill they took the padding from around the ski lift poles 
and used it to ride down and they crashed into the one that took in the padding they taken the padding from and died from that and it's kind of like the darwin stuff right just people who are idiots um what do you think the chances are that this crisis will end up as a successful power grab by central banks won't we have true free market ever again so okay oh boy how do i how do i do this briefly i mean i think you know we're, we're in we're patient right we we we're at home we've got time and look at that everyone's staying around for this this is great i, I i'm really thrilled and, and welcome to those of you who come by for the first time uh, thank you so much for for joining us okay so when there's a disaster the credibility of established institutions collapses this is really really important to understand when there is a disaster, the credibility of established institutions disintegrates. And this is a great opportunity. And I listen, I don't like the disaster. I'm just saying, how can you make the best out of this disaster? It's a significant opportunity for new institutions better rooted in reality, reason, and philosophy to come forward. So if you look at the Black Death, very briefly, the effect of the Black Death was to destroy the power of the Catholic Church, the moral power of the Catholic Church. Now, whatever you think of the Catholic Church, plus or minus, Tom Woodson and I have talked about it, pluses in terms of science, there are minus in terms of covering up pedophilia, although not nearly as bad as the cover-up of pedophilia that occurs in government schools, where teachers are many, many times more likely to, uh, well, if you're a student, statistically are many, many times more likely to be abused sexually by a teacher than by a priest, but because the wages of sin is death, and the priest died the most because they went from deathbed to deathbed. So the power of the church, when people said, well, the church can't protect us from this, and the, the church didn't predict this. So the Black Death destroyed the moral authority in many ways of, the, of Christendom or of the church as it stood. It also destroyed the legitimacy of the aristocrats because they couldn't do anything to really help. And what it did was it shifted the bargaining power from the aristocrats to the workers, right, to the serfs. So the serfs, because there were so few, the aristocrats had to start competing with them to stay on their land and continue to work the land because half the population had been wiped out. And so the serfs ended up negotiating with the landlords or the aristocrats for better working conditions, for more freedom, for the right to not be serfs anymore, and for more free trade in agriculture. And this helped to stimulate agricultural progress, which created sometimes 10 to 15 to 20 times the amount of crops. This created a, the capacity for workers to leave farms and there still be enough food for everyone. So you got the urban, the growth of the urban workers and then you got a free market in, in trade which stimulated factories. So we, we, we don't have the modern world really without the Black Death. It destroyed existing institutions and it promoted the possibility of, of new and better institutions. Now, of course, uh, all of the powers that be don't want to be replaced and they're going to go for a giant power grab, but that's why I'm talking about this stuff so 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 much and um i um i hope that you will continue to share information about the value of the free market the value of free trade the value of how to get the best we can out of the disaster that is upon us so uh somebody's accusing me of avoiding question i don't know sorry i didn't see the question You heard Tom Hanks might be in some trouble, like big trouble. Well, I'll tell you. I mean, I've heard some really nasty things about some of these Hollywood people as a whole. And uh, I'm not going to repeat it here because I don't have any particular proof. But uh, yeah, it's not, uh, it's not good. Yeah, there were some people in China who couldn't get into a hospital, didn't want to go home and infect, infect their families and just threw themselves off bridges. Uh, it was really, really terrible. 
This Doom looks weird. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, what do you guys think of the Doom playthroughs? I'm going to try. I, I, I would like to practice uh, the, the technology more, but I don't know how to... I think I'm, I'm using um, the uh, GeForce, NVIDIA's uh, broadcasting thing. There's no option to make it unlisted. I could get some friends to sort of test it out, so I kind of got to go public. So uh, I'll keep doing it if you uh, want me to keep doing it, but I thought it was kind of... Uh, Kind of fun, and it's a nice sort of break. Doom for the win. Love the Doom stuff. All right, and I promise I will get better at um, getting the um, the video and audio in sync. I don't know what's going on there. I mean, it worked one day, didn't work the next day. So, all right, you fight like a girl. <laughs> There's no way to fight like a girl in Doom. It's just no way because you can't. You know, e thought your way to wealth in Doom, right? Uh, yes, I do have to work on the stream thing. Will you do a Skyrim walkthrough? Uh, it's kind of old now. I haven't played Skyrim in a long time. Um, yeah, if you've got uh, video games you'd like me to try out, I think that would be fun. Do you think I should create a separate channel? I don't know. We'll see. Doom. You like the Doom. All right. Yeah, it's uh, audio slips is bad, right? And also the chat is weirdly behind the um, the video for reasons I can't possibly figure out. I don't know why the chat would lag at all. That's weird, right? Nice transition, Steph. Throwing yourself off a bridge to the Doom game. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny, too. Like, I mean, I, I have my silly male pride just like every other man, I guess, or like some women who have their female pride and so on. So it's kind of weird for me to like, oh, here's my skills in a game that I'm playing for like thousands of people um, for the first time live. It's kind of cool, right? Kind of cool, right? Skyrim is great. Uh, Skyrim is, uh, is a really, really great game. I can't believe that there's an next one. Can you speak to the moral question of whether people should take welfare? Well, you've paid into the system. This goes back to an Ayn Rand argument that's sometimes used to, quote, discredit her, which is you've, you've paid into the system and you're just getting your money back. Uh, right. I picture you playing chess and not a video game. Uh, I like chess. I like chess. I wonder why the celebrities are not donating to coronavirus cures or hospitals, etc. Well, that's real simple. I mean, it's not, that's real simple, said Gomer Pyle. So... It's really simple as to why celebrities as a whole are not throwing themselves into, like, I mean, come on, Taylor Swift should do a, a live stream concert where donations go to coronavirus victims. I mean, you got John Cougar Melonhead going up for farm aid with Willie Nelson years ago. There was live aid. There's every kind of aid for every kind of problem. But the celebrities aren't stepping up for this. Well, there's a lot of reasons for that. Well, first of all, of course, a lot of the people who run Hollywood are socialists, leftists, Democrats, outright communists. So they don't want to do anything. The, the celebrities don't want to do anything that's going to piss those guys off because then they're going to shred their career. Secondly, China this year is set to overtake America as the largest movie market in the world. And so media consumption in China is enormous and people don't want to piss off a market or piss off the Chinese government so they don't get access to that market. So, you know, I mean, celebrities are all about themselves and it's all about virtue signaling and it's not about doing the right thing. For that, you have to come to people like me. I, I'm just going to be frank out and say it, right? You have to kind of, um, uh, you, you, you just have to come to people like me. Like, I'm here in the business of delivering truth. I could give two shits about what China thinks of me. I could give two shits about the social credit score of China internationally. A bunch of communist dictatorial thugs who organ harvest, who throw people in jail, who've unleashed a virus on the world. Excuse my French, but fuck them. Fuck China. Fuck communism. And fuck all the people. Well, I mean... Communists run uh, Wikipedia. I certainly run my page. It's all funded by Soros and all that kind of garbage, right? So fuck them. All right. 
If you have a close friend who is dating an extremely toxic woman, do you attempt to warn him? I do not want to overstep my bounds. And also, I don't know if it even get through to him. Well, of course you do. Of course you do. You absolutely want to warn him. Come on. Because you're going to lose him anyway. If he gets enmeshed with a toxic woman, that woman is going to make sure the first thing she's going to do is separate him from his friend. Or you're going to lose him anyway. You've got nothing to lose, right? All right. Love your channel, by the way. Thank you. Steph, you should be a dungeon master. Yeah, I thought about that. Would it be, I don't know. I didn't even know how we, how we would do it, but I think there are websites online like Roll20.com or whatever, but um, I, uh, it would be kind of fun, you know? I guess it depends on how long this quarantine goes on, but it would be kind of fun to be a dungeon master for a whole bunch of people. I think that would be, that would be great fun. So. All right. Adrenochrome. Uh, that is that the the um, the substance that's released by stress that some people think the Satanists eat? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. All right. Can you get some mods for the chat? Bots are spamming. Uh, yeah, maybe. I guess so. Do you think Bill Gates has been suspiciously quiet about all this for years? He's talked about it and now barely anything. Yeah. Do you think? I don't know. Do you think interest of usury is ethical? Well, sure. I mean, time is valuable, and you have to pay to have money now rather than later. Interest is perfectly moral and fine. It's just not fine when it's run by the state uh, and all of that, right? That's bad. All right, should we, should we close things off? Has Subscribestar been helpful? Um, I like Subscribestar a lot and uh, all of that, so uh, they have been. This is boring. Oh, you people. You, th you think this is some sort of insult to me or to the other people on this this chat, this is kind of funny. Like, it's really pathetic to me just how somebody would sit there and complain about something being boring. Like, you're here in the, you're here in the chat complaining that something is boring. It's like those ZZZ people who occasionally will comment on my videos. It's like, dude, you know, there's lots of cat videos out there that you could go and enjoy. I don't know why you would sit here. You need boring. It's like, yeah, well, it's like the people who say, I don't understand what you're saying. Like, this is some sort of problem with me rather than uh, someone with, with you. Uh, we marched on the Nazis for less than what the Chinese are doing. Uh, yeah, well, of course, you know, white nationalism, you see, it's the big problem. Global warming, Trump, white nationalism, that's a big problem. Yeah, yeah, I know, it's not. Chinese internationalism, turns out, was the big, uh, was the, it's the big problem, right? All right. All right, so, listen, I'm going to um, uh, stop here, and thank you very much for uh, dropping by. I really, really appreciate your time. Please spread this information. Uh, I will put the sources below. And um, don't forget to, you can go to fdrpodcast.com to check out my podcast as well, in case you don't want to just watch the videos or, or whatever it is. Your bandwidth is lower. They're just 96k mp3s. So fdrpodcast.com, freedomain.com forward slash donate to help out the show, which I really, really appreciate you doing. Uh, I am continuing my work on my series from last year called Sunset in the Golden State. Uh, that is costing some money in post-production, so if you could help out with that too, it's really, really important stuff. I talk about a lot of really powerful issues there, not to mention the fact I talk about the dangers of transmissible diseases among the homeless population in that series as well. So freedomain.com forward slash donate, and uh, thanks everyone so much. It is a great privilege and an honor to chat with you guys. I love this community more than I can probably ever express, and I can express quite a bit, as, as you know. So, uh, yeah, thanks, everyone, so much for following, for sharing, for supporting, for donating, for being fascinated by philosophy, just as I am. It's great not to be alone in that. 
anymore. Love you guys so much. Have a great day. Stay safe. I will give you an update soon. And uh, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Stefan Molyneux on Facebook, Stefan Molyneux. And I got Periscope and Twitch going, DLive as well. All the links will be below. Love you guys. Take care.